The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Back to the short game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two excellent co-hosts, Laura Nash and Shane Kelly. And this week we're talking about a game that I have been eager to check out since it was recommended to us by a couple of different folks on the Discord, uh, and that is Iron Lung. Iron Lung is a roughly one-hour short science fiction horror game, uh, sort of lo-fi, but with a really unique, interesting hook. That is, as far as I know, Windows only at this point. This was perfect for this week. I really wanted something short and interesting. And this, it, it left me thinking about it a lot longer than I was playing. And of course, what else would we do in the spooky month of August than a game about surfing through a submarine and a blood moon? Surfing is not the word. Surfing I is not the word. But <laughs> searching sure. is what I meant to say, but sir, oh. surfing works too. <laughs> Catch a wave and you're sinking in an ocean of blood. Catch That's a, a very different vibe. That is an August vibe. A surfing on a blood ocean, much more of an August vibe than searching through a blood ocean. Um, yes. Which yeah. is an October vibe, but hey, we're early. Yes, yes. we are. Um, so, Or maybe a little late. This came out March 10th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're getting to it a little late, but uh, I think this is one of those games that has a little bit of online buzz. Um, but uh, probably could still find a larger audience. Yeah. And I'm hoping that it does because I thought it was really interesting. I, I wound up seeing a lot about this on um, on social media, and it had me thinking about how little games like this are, um, are promoted on social media. Because this had uh, probably its, its greatest amount of uh, coverage. And, you know, if you look at the uh, Google trends on it, I was kind of curious, like, <laughs> when did this thing really pop off and right from when it was released in March it was really into late April that it had its kind of peak of you know people searching for it people looking it up and and people writing about it um and and one of the things that kind of had me thinking about was like if you are someone like the person that created this who's if we haven't already mentioned his name David David Sismansky Sismansky um and if if you are a David Sismansky how do you get this kind of content in front of people? And I think you kind of get there these days. If you have something commercial, you get there with like influencer marketing, uh, right? But you're 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 with something like this that's so slight. Um, it it really seemed like the the avenue for this. It, it's laser targeted at the um, the variety streamer. You know, like the the Twitch streamer who's pl- trying to play a million games at once. Um, it, I mean, we don't not resemble that. We are a podcast <laughs> that is a bunch of people who are basically are trying to play as many games as we can, uh, which <laughs> I don't recommend it <laughs> as a way of engaging with uh, any form of entertainment is to, to try and shoot for quantity. Um, but it is a lens that I would, I think I would the, dispute your characterization a little bit, but please go ahead. <laughs> well, yes, Reagan, you're, the, the concept of the show is a little bigger than that. That's true. But uh, the, on its on its face, like us and like the reaction streamers of the world are are both doing the same thing and that we're both trying to have a lot of variety in terms of what we actually play. And anyway, I, I, I don't know. How do how do we find games like this how do how does stuff like this make it onto onto our plates actually i just did a quick search on the discord and this game was first recommended by jesse on our mm-hmm. Discord. thank you very much to listener and patron jesse um who said uh, i played iron lung last night and it shot into my game of the year list i loved the mechanics and how it tells its story really simple and brilliant it was so my kind of thing and then uh you know he continued to bring it up again that was that was a couple months back he continued to bring it up again when it dropped off of my radar, which uh, was actually very helpful. Uh, listeners, uh, if you if you pester me, eventually I'll, g- I'll get around to it. <laughs> yeah, this is one that kept coming up for me. I, I saw a lot of people discussing the game on TikTok, uh, which 
you know, occasionally stuff breaks through for me on TikTok, although mm-hmm. mostly my my TikTok for you page is absolute trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even had just like two days ago when we'd already played it, I'd already played the game and was, you know, assembling my notes about it. Um, a friend of mine who is a barista at my local coffee shop named Mac recommended it to me again and said, hey, I've played this game. You should really do it for the show. It's called Iron Lung. So this is a game that's found a big audience. But what is kind of kind of cool to me um, is, I mean, it's not surprising looking at this game that it's the work of one person. But what I, I did go on to find is that uh, this guy has a bit of a niche with games like this. And having really enjoyed this one, I want to go back and check some of the others out. Um, his his biggest game, though, is really nothing like this. I don't know if you guys have heard about the game Dusk. Mm-mm. Yeah, I just uh, clicked on this and I it's sort, it looks yeah. like a boomer shooter type of thing. Exactly. And I feel like I've seen it somewhere before, but I've never played it. It looks kind of cool, though. Yeah, because what's kind of interesting about Dusk is um, I, I checked out a little interview uh, with him about it. And um, he also did he did like the, the single player campaign for Dusk, like kind of all by him, all by his lonesome. But there was like a larger team of like, I think around 10 people and everybody but him was uh, making multiplayer levels and doing QA, which I thought was just an interesting little structure for the team. Like he's like toiling away, making this little, uh, you know, uh, three polygon shotgun kind of game. And, uh, you know, outside of this context, but he's made games like this, like many, many times. Like he made all the way back in like 2014, he made a game called Finger Bones that was kind of a horror walking sim. And then in 2014, made a game that I think sounds really good called The Moon Silver. Hmm. Um, And this is still like a, a few years before Dusk came out. And it's a game where you're walking around an abandoned island. Uh, basically, this is this is this is triggering some of my the screenshots from it and stuff are, are triggering some of my like uh, walking sim brain. You know, we were a great fan of um, simulated walking on this podcast. <laughs> yep. um, Absolutely, but like you know, it's it's kind of a PS one looking um, version of that with like like a horror elements to it. I like, I like that. I don't think I've actually played a lot of walking Sims that do that retro look. And I feel like it's a cool, uh, a cool overlap. And that's not even the only one there's an, after the moon silver, uh, there was something called the music machine and another one called a wolf in autumn. It, honestly, it seems as though, um, this guy is kind of turning out, um, this kind of experience pretty frequently, which is really cool. I, this one is the first one that's risen to my like level of of awareness. But um, there's there's kind of a lot going on in this game, even though it is super stripped down and simple. And I just really like that about it. And it it just it really delivers on the premise in a way that that works. And it was so short and and so f- <laughs> fucking weird. Um, I don't know. How did you guys like this one? Yeah, it's interesting. Like a lot of games get marketed as as being film like, um, and usually that means something about the editing. Um, this felt like a like like a movie to me, mainly because of the vibes and the length. It, it doesn't play like a quote unquote movie game, but this really was like a good like sit down and watch a horror movie kind of experience for me. Mm-hmm. It has like a really good central like weird horror conceit. Um, that it executes on through some pretty cool and unique mechanics and it's got a neat aesthetic uh, and it uh, it has a really good vibe that builds the horror slowly and and then very quickly um I, I i liked it a lot i thought this was a really like when it got recommended to us i thought it was going to be long um i assumed uh it was going to be very survivalist multi-stage i enjoyed like the compactness made it a lot more tense because i was able to stay in it and i feel like had it been longer i would have gotten up and gotten a snack halfway through and lost the whole uh vibe so like just as i like a short horror film i think like the 
compactness made this a game I liked way more than had it been 30 minutes, hour, five hours longer. Yeah, this was this was for me like a right at 90 minute experience. Um, I think, you know, the how long to beat on it says an hour, but I think I just took a little while longer trying to navigate some of these areas. Um, let's get into talking about like, what the game actually is so we can talk a little bit more in depth. Um, we're going to, by the way, uh, big probably have a spoiler. There's a big spoiler break towards the end. Um, we're going to avoid spoilers, but uh, we're definitely going to talk about the mechanics and the lore of this game. We are going to specifically avoid talking about any of its particular scares or discoveries that you make during the game. Um, but to first just talk about the description, uh, the tiny slug on steam says a short horror game where you pilot a tiny submarine through an ocean of blood on an alien moon. Um, I wish I had a screenshot. Uh, I don't have one handy of the intro text. Maybe one of you guys do. I do. Um, oh, great. I opened the wrong one. Decades ago, every known star and habitable planet vanished, leaving only those who were on space stations or starships. This event became known as the Quiet Rapture. With supplies dwindling and infrastructure crumbling, survivors are searching for any trace of natural resources in a universe of barren moons lit by the ghost light of a vanished star. One such moon holds a strange anomaly, an ocean of blood. You are a convict tasked with exploring this anomaly in a makeshift submarine nicknamed the Iron Lung. It was not designed for this depth, so you will be welded inside and the forward window will be closed. There was no time for training. If successful, you earn your freedom. Press any key to continue. Yeah, this is this is a really great and sort of multi-layered horror setup. The first thing there about the quote-unquote quiet rapture, this idea of a world where all of the planets and every, every you know everything has everything has disappeared all the stars have disappeared and you're just stuck in space in a bunch of withering uh space stations and barren moons that is like that's a mood right that's like a really good horror setup yeah. but this doesn't try to like be the broad strokes version of that it doesn't try to be like a 60 hour uh visual novel about dealing with that this is dealing with one very that's just background detail to the very specific and strange horror scenario that you that this game zeroes in on this blood ocean on a barren moon Mm -hmm. the whole Um, concept to me is entirely around the the terrifying concept of being alone and doomed mm -hmm. so in this game, humanity is alone and doomed, and you are alone and you are doomed mm-hmm. individually. Yes. And um, the kind of the creeping isolation is the and the fear of, of that isolation, not just even from the rest of humanity, but from your own surroundings, because they begin the game by sealing shut the um the the one porthole mm-hmm. in 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 the vessel and it never reopens you only can interact this is probably the most notable mechanical thing about the game that i think also hits this same um this same feeling of of hopelessness and isolation is to to see anything around you you have to um run to the back of the submarine and like literally take a photo and that photo is then projected on a little projector screen. And uh, so you can you cannot move and look where you're going. You can't really experience the world around you at all, except through your kind of latitude and longitude as as identify you're doing the 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 fly by wire um, experience of like landing a jet plane in the middle of the night with no lights you know that 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 same feeling and it's that aspect of it is is straight up terrifying um and mechanically it is difficult and like nerve-wracking um does anyone want to talk about the interface if you want to call it that of this yeah. submarine yeah so i think it's a really clever horror approach because 
this so like Shane described like you're you're only able to see the outside of this submarine through this incredibly terrible interface where you have to specifically go to choose to take a photo it takes time for the photo to develop the photo always looks incredibly bad and grainy mm-hmm. and black and white only um and that's your only way of like seeing what you're what you're navigating through totally by instrumentation um and that's that's like a great horror thing because like it leaves room for like you know look out the window it takes a moment to load and you don't see something you don't see what you expected instead you see something else that's a scary moment but even just the act of using this thing is like an exercise in building tension you know mm-hmm. it sounds like it's just going to be a frustrating thing right like give me a bad interface to use in order to do the one thing that i have to do in this game navigate um but you know, given the context here, it's just it's just a way of constantly building the tension of of the game. Um, I I, you know, I I became frustrated with it, but only I believe in the way that the game was fully intending you to get frustrated. And because it's a horror game, like the frustration just serves to so- sort of feed back into the unnerving quality of it. And at times, I got good at it and I yeah. got to a flow state, and it was very like ah, I know exactly what I'm doing. And you get into this rhythm and you're kind of just as you would with any repetitive task, like you get like people who knit, like you get into this flow state and you kind of just focus on that. And then that made the, you know, the bangs, the things happening around me that I'm not sure if we should talk Mm. about before spoiler break. uh, Those became so much better because I'd forgotten temporarily that I was in a submarine in an ocean of blood because I was focused on the puzzle. Yeah, an intensely, an intensely like absorbing and then like alternatively scary element of that is the way that it has like a range finder that tells you if you're getting close to something mm-hmm. that will then start to beep. Like if you're getting close to a wall or something, it's just a shrill beep, 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 and then at some point when you're playing this, I don't know if. Everyone here had the same experience, but I definitely, as I was learning to pilot the thing, uh, crashed into the wall and got a very loud sound. Because I I thought it was, I didn't realize the beginning it was walls. There's no manual. I thought it was like things chasing me. So I would try to like run away from it and I would hit a wall. Like that's how I died the first time is I thought I was running away from it. And then I looked at the map and I was like, that's a wall. (laughs) (laughs) You you panicked and ran from the wall. Good job. Um, which in which case it's smash cuts to black and you get the title screen, which is one of the funniest like, uh, and then just a little achievement pops up in the corner that says like, congratulations, you hit a wall. Yeah. The, the interface itself, like is not a perfect view on this game, right? It's not like the, this is extremely low fi it's low fi by way of lower fi, you know, it's the, you're, your control over the submarine is incredibly primitive. And then your view of the world outside the submarine is primitive. And even the graphics that are used to present the submarine is incredibly primitive. And like it, it, it all comes together in a way that makes you feel like, like none of this shit is going to work and it's all going to get me killed. And so of course I'm doomed. Uh, I, I just loved that aspect of it as you're going down the objective that you have is all on this map. And there's a there's a key to bring up the map. And the map has uh, something like 10 locations that you have to visit and take a picture. You have to go to a specific location. It'll give you the X and the Y. And it'll also give you the angle that they want you to take the picture at. And um, when you complete that, you get a, a check mark. But I think really importantly, you don't see yourself on this map. So all you can do is um, use the X and Y readout that you get from the submarine itself uh, to navigate. And then um, turn to the specific angle they want, run to the back of the boat and take a picture. And that's really all that you can do. You have this first person interface. You're you're embodied, you're experiencing the the space inside this submarine, but this that space is tiny. And the interactions that you can do are tiny. And every time you take a picture, you know, you're going to see some some weird shit, you know. Um, 
as you get farther and farther into the game, you know, there's there's more bizarre stuff. I'm, we're going to all talk about that after the spoiler break. Uh, but the only other thing to interact with inside the sub is a computer. And the computer just lets you type in keywords. And there's not very much that you can get out of this computer. But if you start with some of the nouns that you heard in the um, in that intro screen, you know, things like the silent rapture, uh, things like uh, blood iron ocean. Lung. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, iron lung. You're going to get there. You're going to find. Uh, and, and once you start reading about some things there, um, you're going to get uh, you, info that you can use to look up other things. And you get a somewhat more of a nuanced picture of the world of what remains of the solar system, I should say, outside of your tiny, tiny coffin. By the way, I, I found reading the the Steam page for this that the um, the computer was something that was patched in later, like it was not in the game at launch. Um, and it was just that you know the developer clearly like you know has something to be proud of here with this with this uh, setting. I think it's interesting, and he says he's considering um, more games in this setting, which I think would be smart. Um, but uh, he wanted to you know a way to drip a little bit more lore than he had with the uh, with the intro and outro text. And so, um, you know, added this basically broken computer with a with a kind of crummy and censored database uh, to the ship as like an update at some point after launch, um, which, you know, cool. I, uh, I like this mechanic. I, I, I personally, by the way, did not figure out how to use the computer. Uh, when somebody shows me a command prompt, I went up to it and tried all of my DOS and Linux commands that I could think of, and none of those worked. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I give up. <laughs> so, I <didn't, laughs> so I didn't look up anything else. Uh, I didn't find any of the articles that Shane... So, and Shane, if you don't think it's too spoilery, is there anything interesting you found out of all that? I mean, pretty much anything you would find in there is a little bit spoilery, but I'll tell just tell you that mostly what it's doing is expanding on... Uh, what you hear in that very first screen where it's talking about how, um, you know, the, the, the world disappeared. I think one of my favorite details related to that is that there's no record of anyone on any of the space stations that remain, which includes like one around Mars, one that was around earth. Um, there's no record of some in the asteroid belt. I think no one was looking out of a window when this happened. <laughs> like like no one no one saw what happened but the next moment after people looked out the the planet earth the planet mars every planet that had a person on it every um every everything that was inhabited or inhabitable was gone and only thing left was a few uninhabitable things non-planets like moons and um yeah, I mean, it's just it's just kind of creepy. And then what you really learn a little bit more is that mankind has this caused mankind to pull together and try to try to work together and save each other. No, they are actually uh, fighting over resources. Yeah, part of- there are not many humans left. And yet you can spare one to just go deep sea diving in a mm-hmm. blood ocean. Well, they spare you because you are a criminal. Yes. And that's. That's about it. They they have decided that y- it's time to execute you, essentially. And by, you might uh, as well do some scientific mm-hmm. research while you're doing that. Yeah, there's a um, there's an article about that on the computer too. I can't. I think it's like compulsory sentencing or something like that is the name of the of the article, and you get details about it. And there's a lot of stuff in the computer that's censored as well. They clearly don't want you to have complete information um, uh, about. Certainly not about any previous missions uh, like this one. <laughs> There's a note, by the way, on the floor in the Iron Lung. When you first go in there, if you look on the floor near the... Um... I actually did not find that, by the way. Oh, <laughs> so, really? If, yeah. if you, uh, I didn't you, either. This is right there. Like It was one of the first things I saw when I went into the submarine. And it's just a note that's on the floor next to the computer. Um, and uh, it reads... This is not an ex- uh, expedition. This is it is an execution. When they put you in here, they don't want you to return. And even if you do, and even if they keep their promises, what freedom awaits you? A few dying ships in a sea of dead stars? If there is a hope, if there is still a hope, it lies beyond the veil. Hope in this void is as illusionary as the starlight. 
I will choose to breathe my last here at the bottom of an ocean, unseen, unheard, uncontrolled. They will get their execution. I will get my freedom. And that's that's all that it says. We all love that. Um, into it, man. This is a good setting. Uh, and it's it's especially interesting in that like he's got this really strong setting, but it is all background to this uh I, what I think is also interesting about it is like the um, the uh, I was reminded of another undersea game that we played wherein you navigated entirely via a UI and that was uh, in other waters. You, we don't we don't have to rehash in other waters again. <laughs> <laughs> I, please don't make me say why I didn't like it again. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we don't need to. Um, but like. I think it's interesting that like they're both games about undersea exploration where you are basically playing the game via a map. And, and yet this game, I felt so immersed because, you know, it's not like there's any, it's, it, it's not like there's like a huge difference between looking at a map while standing in a submarine and looking at a map while having no physical presence in the space. But somehow that actually made a huge difference to me. The fact that like I'm navigating entirely via a map, but I am pulling up the map while standing in the submarine in a three-dimensional sense, um, no matter how lo-fi. Um, whereas like uh, in other waters, you're doing the same thing. Essentially, you're navigating an undersea space via a map. Um, but I didn't feel like I was there in any sense because it was just a map. I wasn't, I wasn't in anything, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I think this is a really cool um, way to kind of like ground you in a situation that feels like a like a you know first person horror while still basically having you navigate via you know weird buttons and a map hmm yeah well let's do a spoiler break there's not that much to say about this before we start talking about weird ass shit that's That's true there's a lot of weird stuff here um that is i i do want to talk about the uh some of the things you see via your crap camera in the depths of the blood ocean. Yeah. I will say that before we jump in, that it's, if you are interested in this for the vibe, don't listen to the spoiler break because it is going to be way more tense. If every time you look on that camera, you have no clue what you're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's an hour. If you want to be spooked, don't listen to the spoiler break. Yeah, it's an hour. It's like six bucks as well. And I feel like it's a really good price for it. Like you can download this on Steam, um, Windows only, but like you can play this on anything. It's very lo-fi and, uh, you know, download it, give it a try. I would, I would strongly recommend folks check this out if they're into like short form horror games. I would uh, also maybe even consider looking on Steam at the bundles that this is in. Um, Dave, there's the David, uh, s- help me with the pronunciation on his last name, Szymanski bundle. And that is all of his little, um, walking sim or horror games. There are five of them for $11. So, um, I, after having played this, I'm very, very tempted to check out. So, you know, some of these are really, um, interesting to me, especially the moon silver, so, um, you know, maybe even take take a look at some of these, uh, or you can get it in a bundle with um, Dusk, the um, the the FPS boomer retro shooter. Uh, so, you know, if you're if you're into either of those things, this this game becomes maybe even more of a like low risk purchase. Yeah, I think this seems like a really uh, a, like a good pickup. I would recommend it. Checking it out, and I am intrigued to check out some of his other stuff at this point too, especially Dusk. That like. I've been wanting to play a game like that for lately and it's I, I'm not like um, ear to the ground about like what are the the good uh, boomer shooters but um, this guy seems like he's got his head on straight I might try that one yeah the 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 dusk one is bundled with something called dusk comes with a a game called dusk 82 which seems to be some kind of uh, roguelike that he made or like uh, I saw that. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of like a retro hmm. debate. Sokoban <laughs> meets <laughs> horror. I don't know. Um, so, so it's you know, it is an eight-bit prequel to yeah. Dusk. I I appreciate the um, the 
the retro vibes that this guy seems to bring to everything he makes. And, um, you know, it's not just the, um, like nineties doom, like, uh, graphics that, that he's doing. He's got, he's got a little, little PlayStation and, and here I'm seeing even more versatility, the little grid based, um, I don't know what you would call this, this style, like barely retro eight bit roguelike kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, pretty cool. I think people should check it out. I'm going to be checking out more of this guy's games. I don't usually uh, come out of the little games we play and say like, hey, I kind of want to see what else this dude is doing and 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 also have like five or six or seven things that I could check out from that. So um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, very much so. So um, before we go to spoiler break, I think we've got a little bit of time. Um, Laura, what's making you happy this week? Well, what's making me happy isn't out yet, but I got really excited uh, because uh, I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan and the trailer for his Cabinet of Curiosities anthology series has been released. And I'm very excited about this because Guillermo del Toro's strengths are production design, picking awesome directors he wants to work with, and the stories. Like Sometimes his scripts are a little straightforward. Sometimes, you know, he bites up more than he can chew. This solves all of the problems. It's exactly what I want someone with his power to put together. Like him doing an Albert Hitchcock Presents in October. The list of directors he has lined up is incredible. You've got Jennifer Kent, who did The Babadook, and Essie Davis is in hers. There's Whoa. Vincent Batali, who did um, most of my favorite episodes of Hannibal, including the creepy one with the horse. Um You've got like one of his go-to cinematographers who did Pan's Labyrinth. You've got um, uh, the Catherine Hardwick who did all the Twilight movies. Like you name it. Like the director list is, it's both diverse and incredible. And that's a really hard thing to like line to walk. And every time I look at this, like there's Lovecraft stories. There are classic horror stories. Like it's going to be, like at least one of these is going to be incredible. So this is actually the first I'm hearing about this. I am assuming this is an anthor- anthology horror television series. It is. And it's going to come out daily. I think the week before Halloween. Amazing. It's Where for is it Netflix. coming out. It's on Netflix. Netflix. Hell yeah. And they've given him Netflix yeah. money. Actually, yeah. And this, he's, he's seems to have done a huge deal with Netflix. Cause this isn't even the only thing that Netflix is getting from him. No. And, no, but they, this is one they, of the things I'm most excited. And I, uh, I, I am, know we all I have what, high hopes for Pinocchio. Have you seen yes. anything from his version of Pinocchio? I've only yes. seen a few production stills. It looks really good. And I also like that he's going back to the original source material for Pinocchio, which of course is darker. Ah. Yeah, I think I share some of like, I, I'm also a Guillermo del Toro fan, but I think maybe a little bit like cooler on him than you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I share your like, your assessment that like he's he's at his best when he is working with other people, working on production design, he's a not great writing curator. scripts necessarily. His scripts are yeah. always a little bit eh. Um, um, he's got the the Persian w- woman who did a girl who walks alone at night. Like she's oh, directing man. one of these. I've like, still never seen that. I want to see that so bad. Um, ah. yeah, and and she's doing one. Like it's gonna be like also the cast is all over the place in a really fun way. Like F. Murray Abraham's in here, but also Eric Andre is in one of them. Mm-hmm. And Rupert Grint. Nice. Nia Vardalos. Like, what is going... Kate Micucci? Like, what? I don't understand, but I'm into it. Um, you guys both watched Nightmare Alley last year, didn't you? Hell yes, yeah. Yes, I watched it. I, I like that better than a lot of his other movies. Like, oh I, my gosh. I was... I thought that was really good. Um, I, a lot of people liked... Oh, what was the name of... Um, um, Fish romance. Um, Shape of water. Shape of water. Thank you. I did not like that nearly as much as a lot of other people did. Uh, it's not my favorite it. of his. I I liked it, but I was I was I was relieved when I saw Nightmare Alley. I was like, oh yeah, he can still really do it for me. And uh, and that that so movie good. was great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible. Just pure, um, like Greek tragedy. Uh, it was and, like, exquisite. Make beautiful people do ugly things. That's all I want from movies. Oh <laughs> uh, man! Oh um um, gosh, what was that movie? The um the something peak or whatever. Crimson Peak. Crimson, Crimson Peak. Peak. Um, Crimson Peak 
is one of my yeah. favorite movies of all time. Oh, and yeah. I, I think what, it got it got really mixed reviews when it came out. I think a lot of people didn't like grok it. And I'm not saying that I'm like the guy who got that movie better than everybody else. But like, like what I realized watching that movie was this is an incredibly campy. I, I treated mm-hmm. it as basically a comedy mm-hmm. and had an, a blast with it. That movie is so campy. And it's like it was it was impeccably done gorgeous production script was ridiculous people thought it was going to be goth and it was gothic right and there's a difference yeah uh, it's i i think that movie if you haven't seen it if you were scared off by like i don't know one of its probably many negative reviews a lot of people were not as into that movie as i was um give that one a go man also incredible practical effect ghosts that looked just awesome like Oh, that movie was so good. Um, yeah, you know what? He's good. Like, he's not always good, but overall, he's good. And now that you've now that you've told me about this anthology, I like nothing better than an- anthology horror anthologies, horror anthologies, horror anthologies so with practical effects. Hell yes. Okay, I'm excited. Thank you. You've made my October. So I'm I'm like preemptively hyped for October. Also, because I was talking about this, and then I talked about Hannibal. I now have a group of work people <laughs> who I can talk about Hannibal with, which also makes my my heart happy. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> my sad broken heart about Hannibal. Well, I will very briefly then talk about the thing that's made me happy. Uh this is just today because uh the uh just today a game came out that I've been looking forward to and I haven't spent enough time with it to give you like a definitive review or anything. This may end up being something we cover for the show, so maybe you'll hear me talk about this in more depth at some point or maybe not. Um but today I I got to start Cursed to Golf, a game that we've talked about a little bit around the edges on this show. Um, if you listen to this show, you're probably already aware that I, uh, I'm not a fan of actual golf, but I adore golf games. Um, pretty much all golf games, honestly. But I also am one of those people that have, I like, I have a lot of very particular opinions about golf games um, and a lot of golf mashup type of things where it's like, well, it's golf mechanics, but uh, blank. Um, those don't always do it for me. Um, and also I'm extra particular about uh 2d golf especially side on golf mechanics there's a lot of games in this sort of genre of i would kind of call them like platformer golf like golf games where you has a 2d side on uh perspective similar to a platformer but what you're actually doing is golfing uh and that's a that's a subgenre of golf games that doesn't always do it for me but this one uh so far has really been working for me uh it is a golfing roguelike so you have to escape from basically golf hell uh, by golfing your way through 18 holes uh, in order to work your way up from purgatory. And um, you're, uh, you're like a little cursed dead golfer trying to escape from, from purgatory. It's got great cute pixel art. I think it looks really, really good. Um, the golf mechanics are pretty decent. Uh, it's pretty simplified, but that's kind of what you expect with something like this presentation. So you've got just like a handful of clubs that you're choosing from. For example, you're not like choosing between 10 different irons or something. You've got like an iron and a wood and a and a wedge, that kind of thing. Um, so basic, basic golf mechanics. Um, but along the way, there's all these little item pickups. So there are cards that you can collect as you're golfing that give you one-time use powers. Uh, so like, for example, the first couple that it introduces are things like um, blowing up boxes of TNT to that are scattered around the level to clear spaces that will let you do uh, you know, shortcuts through the level or um, a, a, an option that you can use that will let you do a practice hit and see where your golf ball is going to land if you try it once. Or uh, my favorite that it introduced at the very start was a time stop mechanic where you can hit a button to stop your golf ball dead still midair and have it fall to the ground, uh, which lets you do some pretty fun uh, mechanics there. Like, you know, put over, uh, do a long drive over something and then have it do a nice drop shot right to where you want it to go. Um, But on top of that, like it's all, uh, it's about like it's run based. So you're trying to escape through this 18 holes of hell and uh, you uh, have a certain number of uh, it, it. calls it your par number you always start every hole with four strokes but that's not enough for most of these holes and so you have to collect 
idols along the way by hitting them with your golf ball that add to the par number. So you get additional strokes. And um, of course, you know, it being a roguelike, this is all run based. You're trying to uh, trying to string together uh, 18 holes of success to make it Mm. out. I haven't gotten anywhere near any of that yet. I've still just barely started. Um, But so far, I am really enjoying it and I can't wait to play more of it. So um, I think it's out on everything right now. It came out today on uh, Steam and Switch and I think maybe other consoles, too. And um, I, uh, I, I can't can't go any further than that right now since I haven't played enough to to you know, talk about anything in depth, really. I basically played through um, the tutorial and did one run, one very failed run because it was my first one. Um, But uh, so far, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Looking forward to playing more. Um, That's Cursed to Golf, uh, in case you missed the the title at the start. Hey, Shane, what's making you happy this week? Oh, the thing making me happy this week is going to be a little bit um, local specific to Houstonians, but I years and years ago, back in college, uh, like a, a friend of mine uh, or someone who I then was fair friendly with, uh, but has become a friend, started a theater storytelling series called um, Grown Up Storytime. And it's been running for like well over a decade now. And this was the first time that I had ever um read a story for them um the the idea with grown-up story time is people submit um stories that they've written usually personal narratives and uh they pick the best ones and then they have a kind of a rotating group of story readers that get up on stage and read those stories for a crowd and uh you know it's it's just a fun monthly event uh if you like things like the moth uh this i think believe actually predates the moth it's that old um and it's just a very cool um event and i had i've been to it a couple of times over the years and it always strikes me like oh my gosh this is still going they're still (laughs) Um, and but this was number 149 uh so next time is gonna be 150 it was just super cool i I really enjoyed the experience of just getting up and and uh having a a cool story to read and it was uh, a, just a wonderful event. So I, I'm, I know that's not much of a recommendation. We usually use this segment for recommendations, but I guess my recommendation is like, uh, you know, it, get out there and, and look for fun shit like this to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's like story based things like that in, you know, every major city that has a theater scene or, or mm-hmm. similar. So uh, look for something like that in your own hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's awesome, Shane. That's really cool. Uh, well, I think it's time for us to do our spoiler break. So uh, before we do that, a uh, little bit of admin and outro. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Stick around for uh, our spoiler break after this. Where we're going to be talking about what you find under the ocean of blood in Iron Lung. Um, Uh, But if you're leaving us here, thank you so much for joining us. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find our contact form, links to all of our stuff, our searchable show notes page, where you can look at all of the episodes that we've done over the years. We've got grown-up story time, Pete. We've done over 300 of these. Hmm. Uh, Let's see. uh, You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash theshortgame. And that is the way that you can support the show. And we really appreciate our patrons that do that, uh, especially new patrons. Thank you, new patrons who have just joined us. We always appreciate that. Um, if you want to support the show, you can do that for even just a dollar a month. And anybody who supports at any level gets instant access to our Discord, which is where we chat and talk about the show. We talk about what's going on. We have a What's Making Us Happy channel where we share things that are happening that are fun or neat. Um, it's and, where we uh, get recommendations for games like this one. It mm-hmm. is indeed. So it's the best way. If you have a game that you think we really ought to cover on the show, hop in there and tell us about it. That's our number one way we find things for the show. Honestly, I'm honestly begging you to recommend things in other ways too. If you, if you don't want to get on the discord, you know, if you don't want to be a patron, you can still tell me about games. Yeah, I am on yeah. Twitter. You can still tweet yeah. at us at underscore short game. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at 8BitShane. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, your spoiler break. So how about that skeleton? 
That's a pretty cool skeleton, but uh, I am like 85% sure that that is uh, like a herbivore's skeleton. It looks like a horse. You know how they have those mm, flat teeth? Horse teeth? I don't know, man. Go back and look at that. It just looks like a dead horse on the bottom of a know, blood right, ocean. You're right. right. You're right. You know, it's got that. You're right. It's got that sort of flat teeth. It does look like a horse. Huh. I was, for some reason, in my mind's eye, it looked like a dinosaur. Well, speaking of eyes. Oh, yeah. That's probably my favorite. I, I kept expecting that to happen the whole time. And I think the nice thing about it is the beginning, you're like hype for spooky shit. And then you get used to the submarine and there is a fire. And then eventually, you know, weird anomalies, big eye. Like, yes. Yeah. This is, it, it, the buildup is real in this game. The the thing that they I don't know if we really conveyed before the spoiler break is like how busted the submarine is like mm-hmm. super it, it's busted. real real shitty and at one point it catches on fire and you have to grab a uh, uh, a fire extinguisher like I kind of loved the called shot the, this this calls a lot of shots and then it like it like pays them all off right so mm-hmm. like there's a fire extinguisher that you can pick up. I wonder why, right? But somehow it still works when the when the place catches on fire. Yeah, you're like, oh crap! Yeah, <laughs> um, I didn't notice for a bit, right? Because like the thing is, the only lit part of the submarine is the interface that you're staring at. Yeah, and so it's not like suddenly you get light, and it's been making noise for a while. And even with headphones on, I was kind of learning to turn it out. And then I turned around, and there was fire everywhere, and I was like, no. that's the brilliant the really the most brilliant thing about this game is like they every time there is something that is going to be that's a scare you know and this game is full of great scares it's going to happen at a time where you have to be focused on like basic geometry of like x meets y Mm -hmm. and they tell you there's gonna be a fire they say at the beginning Mm -hmm. there's sparks there is a fire extinguisher. You know there's going to be a fire, and yet I was surprised there was a fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's fun. all these great surprises too. Like y- you, you're you're getting this weird view of the world through this terrible, low resolution, grainy black and white camera, and you know. Fi- mostly once you right at the point where I had kind of decided, Oh, I kind of know what it looks like outside of this. That's when, you know, the, the ship gets shaken and you go in the next picture I took was, uh, of a giant reptilian eye. I'm like, yes, yes. Ah, you know, it's like, it's like the perfect. And, and this is after a, a few moments of that, like depth finder, your fish finder going off. Beep, 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 beep. And you you look on the map, and you know you should be in the middle of nothing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And whichever direction, there's a thing. And eventually, you're just going to get fed up and be like, I should go take a picture of this magic wall. It's yeah. not a wall. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Um, it's a short game, so there's not a ton of other like surprises. Uh, one thing that I thought was like really um, eerie was there's a number of places where you have to squeeze through a pretty tight passageway. And the first time that I looked at the passageway and realized that it was a wall made of bricks with like columns, that was unsettling in the extreme because of course you are on an alien moon uh, under a sea of blood and there is architecture here. That's weird and cool. Um, but then the ending, man, I uh, the ending is a jump scare. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, you know, of course it is. Of course it is a jump scare, but it still worked on me so hard because it it waits until you are trying, you're just about to take the final photograph that you have to take. It waits. The game really waits until you are lined up to take that very last photograph. And as soon as you turn around to walk to the back of the submarine to take your final photograph, boom, it's a giant monster breaking into the ship and it eats you. And it's the title card again. And it's a set and it's a weird message. It's not even the title card. It's like, 
no one quite knew what to make of all the little bits of the ship that were scattered, right. but no one really cared. No one <laughs> all really the cared. photos were lost. <laughs> oh, yeah, no photographs have been recovered. And I'm like, I took so many photos. I took such diligent and photos. It's like, here I am, dead. <laughs> you, dead man. Thinking like, yeah, fuck you. Don't, you didn't get any of those photos. Those useless fucking photos that you sent me down here to take pictures of absolutely nothing at the bottom of an ocean in hell. <laughs> it's incredible man um it's just it works really well as a horror thing uh the lore side of this i'm intrigued by i i would play another horror game set in this universe um but i, I what really worked for me here was just like the vibes man it was good vibes it was good horror vibes yeah it's also so good that this was an hour long and not mm-hmm. three so this, this is the perfect length for this because like any longer and it would have dragged and these mechanics would have been felt so flabby. Um, but like, this was perfect, man. Perfect length. Good editing. The thing that this did leave me excited about is um, I did see that uh, David Sismanic, uh, Sismansky, pardon me. I did see that David Sismansky is working on a switch port for the Moon Silver, which oh. I think would be a good excuse for us to play another one of his games. Cause I really, I really liked this one and I just would love to check out another one of these super short horror games from this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give it a go. Um, listeners, if you have a super short horror game or really any super short games in this vibe, uh, that you can recommend to the show, we would love to hear about them. This is our stuff, man. We, uh, we like these kinds of things. So, um, shoot them to us, email, Twitter, the, Discord. Yeah. L- listeners, when Laura mentioned that we are playing a scary game and it's not October, this show has an unwritten rule, which mm-hmm. is that we can't play horror games when it's not October. And then something not horror always has to be played in October. And because <laughs> of that. Historically romance games. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. never play horror games. Um, either in or out of October. So if you have horror (laughs) games that are in the backlog somewhere, we need to know about them. I am now declaring it horror year, maybe even horror decade, guys. Uh, Let's play more horror. What? (laughs) All right. I'm definitely down to play more short form horror. Um, The the problem with short form horror is often that like, it's either super short, like we're talking about like an interactive fiction, like a twine game or something that just doesn't quite support a full episode or it's something like, I don't know, a Resident Evil that involves crawling through a castle for 14 hours um, and is like just a little too on the outside of our uh, of our. You want efficient horror. Efficient. Yeah. And for us and for our listeners, for the short for fans of short games, like there is no game too short. Like when you no. say these things can't support a whole episode. Iron Lung is the kind of game that I would have said that about, but I don't feel like I feel like we're talking for fully two hours on it. I mean, this game is may hour. I tap the sign that says Dr. Langskoff, the tiger and the terribly cursed emerald, the 15 minute game we talked for a full hour about plus. Oh, yeah. Still the record. But I, I think, yeah, record. that's still the record ratio. So uh, as far as I know, uh, I'd love to beat that record. <laughs> we need to do three hours about a 10 minute uh flash game or something we can where's our three hour opus on passage <laughs> yeah man all right well listeners thanks once again uh that's all we have to say about iron lung um but uh, we'll be back with you next week on another episode of the short game <laughs>